Bunsen, Dolly, Internal, Why do we need Patrick, Oscar, Isaac, Transplanting? I know you went to the Bahamas. What happened? I did go to the Bahamas. I got back last week. Did you sunbathe on a beach and like? Not really. No. No. That's because you you've got the skin of a dead person, haven't you? Very pale, pallid. Pallid, pallid, because I don't go out. I don't go outside much. Um, no, it was. Um, there's a vague, there's a vague hint of gingerness I've noticed in you as well. Well, I, I've, did I've you ever my... play normals against gingers at school at football? <laughs> no, we've spoken about this before. Oh yeah, we have. Yeah, there must have been quite a lot of gingers in Wolverhampton. Yeah, no, there wasn't that many. My no. sister's, my sister's completely ginger. Yeah, um, there's lots of gingers in my family. Um, <laughs> anyway. So what did you do? Did yeah, you so, sit in the hotel room or did you go out? Oh, Nick, you'd have, you'd have, it's a, such a weird place. So, um, so for, for the listeners, I was lucky enough to be invited by um, to the people that fund some of the research in our lab to a kind of get together, a kind of conference that was held in Nassau, which is in the Bahamas. So it sounds very fancy, doesn't it? Right, you know. So you get on the aeroplane. Oh, I actually saw some of my colleagues on the way there, Nick, and both of them got upgraded to first class. First class, Nick. Both of them. Oh my and then God. I didn't. <laughs> Were you in just all of the with all of the shit munchers? Uh, actually, I was in economy, economy, premium, premium economy. So oh, it was, it was no. lovely. But anyway. Oh, I thought that. That's oh dear. They both see. got this, and they got off the plane the other side. Like, oh, it's brilliant! I slept all the way. You oh, get a little drawer, no. and you can work. It's brilliant. <laughs> They come and bring you champagne. Um, we wouldn't want to work. We would just drink the Chateau Neuve de Pap. <laughs> My friend once went on business class and he spilt an entire glass of Chateau Neuve de Pap onto some posh woman's white trousers who was sitting next to him on the flight. Brilliant. When he was drunk, he got drunk. Was that sort of fell asleep, that fell asleep and then he had a glass of wine and he just moved his arm and it went all over her white trousers. Brilliant. Um, yeah, uh, anyway, a... anyway so... it was good, was it? It was great, yeah. So we went there, um, and then it was sent this really weird hotel, Nick. It's like a kind of playground for American adults. So you go in, and it's like marble. There's, like, um, fish tanks everywhere, sh- like chandeliers. There's a casino in there, a water park. There's, uh, you know, 15 different restaurants that, like, that all basically serve the same food. You know, it's like a cruise ship almost. Like, you know, everyone, like, walks around. Uh, it was, and it's incredibly expensive everywhere. And then this hotel has got this, you know, it's a it's a thousand acre hotel, right? It's got a golf course on it. You know, it's where like, I think American tourists go, and then they just kind of send their little, you know, they just spend all day having fun. Or it their description like, is awful. I'd probably enjoy it for a couple of days, but it does sound horrible. <laughs> yeah, um, you like this, Nick? I've got a picture of it. I'll send it to you. They had a, they had like fountains as you'd expect that kind of place to have. Feels a bit like Vegas, that kind of vibe, right? Yeah. And so I'm sat there um, in the evening. It's got like fountains that dance to music every half an hour. That oh kind of thing, yeah, right? I've seen that in, right. in Arab anyway, countries. So I'm there and I'm sat sat there and there's a little fountain um, and I'm chatting to someone um, uh, about some of the work we're doing. And then this, the fountain starts bubbling, Nick. I'm like, that's a bit weird. Not seen a fountain do that before. And then. And then suddenly, out of nowhere, the fountain on the water, so there's like a big like pool with like the fountain jets in it. But instead of water coming out, Let fire guess. starts Can I guess? Can out. I guess? Can I guess what happened? Yeah. I was going yeah. to suggest Godzilla came out of it. You know, no, just Godzilla. fire. They set the, water. the pool on fire. <laughs> so there's like little like gas jets that all get set on fire. And then it like dances with fire and then goes out. 
I was like, okay, what a massive waste of energy. The disparity in wealth in the world, Steve, is disgusting. Isn't it? Uh, anyway, I spent the whole week in a overly air-conditioned um, conference centre where we spent all of our time indoors talking about um, right. talking about research. But it was an incre- it was a, it was an amazing experience. I was very lucky to go. But um, uh, I don't think I'll really. It's not my kind of not my kind of holiday. If I'm honest. So, well, it wasn't a holiday, was it? No, but I, but if I were to go back, I definitely don't think I'd go back. Who, who was it, who was funding it? Um, it's uh, Sergey Brin. Who's the co-founder of Google? Oh, right. his, Why don't his... they just do it somewhere a bit more budget, so they don't I waste agree. money? I agree. <sighs> anyway. Although you like this, right? So, so Randy Sheckman, um, who is a Nobel laureate and the co-founder of eLife, an important scientific journal, he's the chief scientific director of the funding initiative. Right. And anyway, he was telling a little story about how. Um, you know, he was chatting to Sergey and thanking him for all of his, you know, philanthropic donations to, to, to this. Uh, they pumped nearly $500 million into Parkinson's disease in two years, right? Yeah. So it's a huge funding thing. And uh, at the time they were setting it up, he you know, spoke to him and said, oh, well, what's the budget? You know, how much, you know, like, what should we be spending? And, and apparently Sergey goes, there's no budget. Just fund good ideas. I'm like, brilliant. That's the way we should be doing things. Yeah, yeah, but who decides what ideas are good, Steve? Who decides? (laughs) Me, me, I decide. (laughs) In the club. In the club. This bit, and that's the bit that makes it glow blue. Right, I was I was away. I was talking about I was away in, in the Bahamas, right? And um, I had a um, uh, I had a day to kill between the conference ending and, and me coming home, so I went for a little walk um, just around. Steve, I thought you would have like done some work. I did do some work that day to too, but I had a couple of hours off, so I went went for a wander. Um, and anyway, I was walking around the um, edge of um, it was kind of like <clears throat> dusk. Excuse me. <coughs> I have to edit that bit. One sec. <clears throat> right, so I was walking. Um, so I had a couple of hours to kill, and so I was walking al- along the, along the coast, um, along the island, and it was kind of get it was getting, kind of getting close to to dusk, and um, it was really cool, it was a beautiful place, you know, actually, man, it's like palm trees, sun, like you know, um, that well, the sun was setting, but like you know, sand. There was little turtles in the water, Nick. It was pretty cute. Like, oh, you know, that's cool. Yeah, it was just very like cool. wild turtles. Yeah, like, they yeah. probably had them shipped in and pulled off the back of a lorry. Basically Some guy comes fast on a speedboat once a day. Just turtles, turtles. It's like once a week. <laughs> no, actually, on the, in, it, where the resort was, they have it all netted off. Uh, I presume jellyfish, but I don't. I don't know. Um, uh, so this was like further along the, the coast. Anyway, um, it was it was dark, and I noticed there was like some. Um, kind of like algae on the water, right? And one that kind of got caught on like a little kind of cove bit um, by the water. And I went back and um, uh, and I was just kind of intrigued by it. So I started having a little look about kind of, and it reminded me of um, a phenomenon uh, in 
in close to all the research we do called epigenetics. Have you heard about epigenetics, Nick? Yeah, but I don't really understand it. Yeah, so super, super interesting, right? Um, and it's the thing I wanted to talk to you about today. So the idea, this is all kind of basically pioneered by, by a variety of people, but in particular, uh, Carl Dieseroth, who's, um, who was a um, Stanford professor who was there when we were there, he's still there now. Uh, he's a, he was in the uh, Clark, he's a professor of um, bioengineering, um, but also a, a medical doctor and a, a psychologist. So, you know, he's one of these incredibly impressive people, Nick, that's, you know, Harvard, Stanford, MD, PhD, you know, done it all kind of show off kind of people. And how dare they be so incredibly useful and productive to society. Um, anyway, he pioneered this. One of the things he's done in his lab is pioneered this idea of optogenetics. And it, it's kind of wacky when you think about it. Right. So what, the way it works is that certain algae and indeed bacteria have a, a little protein that sits in their membrane. Of the, of the cells which reacts to light and what it does is it opens a little pore when a light of a specific color falls on it and so you're like well, okay well why would that exist what's the point point? and the, the point of it is that we know bacteria are um they're killed by uh, like uv light for instance right and so the, <clears throat> the one of the one of the ways that bacteria have evolved to avoid uv light because they don't want to die is they have these little flagella these little outboard like spinny um like yeah. motors and what happens is when when um, what <clears throat> these flagella um, essentially are just little kind of they're, they're controlled by the motion of ions across the membrane of bacteria. So as the as the as uh, ions slosh backwards and forwards, that turns the the, the outboard motor turns it on. So what these yeah. do is they they so have the like ignition, it's like the ignition, exactly. ignition switch. Yeah, um, and but like that's kind of like opto thingy that you're talking about. It's like what happens in our eyes. That's exactly what happens in our eyes. I'll get to that. This is uh, okay, uh, right. So this is cool. Okay. So, so the idea is that you you can imagine what happens is that so there's like there's these little outboard motors all the way around. Bacteria, let's call them bacteria, but they can be algae as well. Yeah. Blue light falls on them, and what that does is that activates the the, the outboard motor on that side. And so what happens okay. is they steer so, like, away. The blue light. I see. So if the light's coming from one side, they will like have a direction. Yeah, so, so what that does is it just makes them swim away from... Oh, they run away. So they the run blue away. light comes from one side and they go, whoa, and they well, run as away. You, that's as you would, like. right? They're little vampires. They don't like the, the ultraviolet uh, light. Right, right, right. right. Trying to that get will away from it. And that's, that's why all of the, ba- all the algae that I saw on the... On the um, well, this may be the reason. This is what I'm in. This is a, I thought this <laughs> um, was all kind of cornered into one region. Is that because there was, no, there was less light there, right? So oh, they were kind right. of, like, they were kind of swimming away. Yeah, yeah. Perfectly reasonable. So what... Carl Dieseroth and other researchers have found is that they can go into and look at the, the genome of the bacteria and the algae and they can find the bit of DNA that encodes to create that little protein, right? And and that's, you know, and so what you can then do is you can take that bit of DNA and you can put it in other animals, right? And so yeah. what that will do is that by shining light onto that specific region, what you can do is then <clears throat> um, activate um, that you know, you can make holes in the membrane and then create electrical. Because essentially, that's what electricity is, right? The flow of current, right, across the yeah. membrane. And so, where is that really interesting? Well, it's really interesting in your brain, right? So, because your neurons are exactly that—they're they're cells that are controlled by the flow of current, right? or the flow of yeah. the, the flow of electricity. Yeah, most um, of them are controlled by other things, aren't they? Like, if one neuron like makes a chemical, then that will cause the next one to switch on its electricity. Yeah, but that action potential that you see along is 
it's an electrical signal. Yeah, right? yeah. So when people, so when people, saying, and I'm, I'm yeah. kind of just saying that that's a different, like the light in your case, it's the light that causes it to happen. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. yeah you're absolutely right. Yeah. So, so normally, light doesn't mean because normally there's no, you know, there's no light in your in your brain, right? So so that would be no. foolish for them no. to evolve that. But but what you can imagine is that you know normally the way people have studied you know, so-called electrophysiologists, right, is they stick a little electrode into either a cell or to a bit of tissue, and they put yeah. an electrical current. Now, the trouble with that is, is that it excites all of the neurons around it, right? It doesn't excite just one. So um, what it's been particularly useful for, and it's absolutely fascinating research, it's moved on loads since we were there, is you can take this bit of this, this, this gene that encodes this protein, express it in neurons, and then you can fire... Um, light, a pattern light at, say, for instance, a mouse's brain or something like that, or even just a plated neuron. And you can specifically fire one or the other, right? And uh, and so, so so rather than exciting all of the neurons, you can excite them in a specific pattern, and you can also read things out. You can use it so they, they, they can you know, expose a, a, a mouse to certain stimuli, and then they can read out that information. And it's being used to kind of treat a variety or think about treating a variety of diseases, right? Yeah. Anyway, getting to the cool bit, right? So... There was a paper published in Nature Medicine um, last year, um, and uh, in July, uh, with a final author called Botan Roska, who also is a kind of, um, uh, he's a Hungarian medical doctor and, and, and a biomedical researcher. He works at, um, uh, in, at the University of Basel. <clears throat> anyway, their colleagues, they work together, both um, um, Carl and, uh, and Botan. Um, you'll like this, right, Nick? On, on Botan's, uh, he's on a, again one of these incredibly impressive people. Um, on his Wikipedia article, uh, under his personal life section, he's just described as Roska enjoys listening to, to the music of Bach and writing mathematical proofs. <laughs> I mean, not a fun guy at party, Paulie. I, it doesn't say whether he's doing it at the same time. I don't know. I know. I mean, maths, mathsy people often like Bach. Bach. Don't yeah. they? For some reason, very precise music. Uh, perhaps um, contrapuntal. Anyway, let's get let's get back to, to, to Botan's paper, right? So, it, the title of this paper is called "Partial Recovery of Visual Function in a Blind Patient After Optogenetic Therapy." Right? Oh wow! So okay. it's the that first example of the, using this technology, this optogenetics, in humans. So we've done it in in all of the animal models, um, and we've done it through um, you know. So you start off with typically um, single cells, and then sometimes these kind of uh, uh, these kind of model worms, uh, C. elegans, uh, through to kind of small, you know, mice, and then eventually up to non-human primates, and, and eventually that's kind of standard path that, that sometimes depending on there's some other animals in the way, right? But this is the first time we've actually got kind of clearance to to look for trying to use these technologies in um, people, and and exactly as you said. This idea of light falling on something and generating electricity is exactly the process that happens in your retina, right? Mm -hmm. um, and so this particular person that they were treating here is, uh, suffered from a disease called uh, retinous pigmentosa, which is, which is essentially the, the dying, it's very cool even by itself, Nick, so it's the dying of rod cells in your retina. And your rod cells create a neuroprotective substance called um, cod-derived cone viability factor, which right. protects the cones. Okay. And so what and happens? Your is, cones are your cones are yeah. your colour ones, and your rods are your black and white ones. It, exactly. Yeah. So what happens? You've got these kind of colour and black and white ones, like receptors that, that have light fall on them and generate an electrical signal. 
Yeah. They um, they um, they work. You know, they, uh, they are kind of working all of the time in this particular disease, which is kind of broadly genetic. Um, it's about you know, it's about five three hundred different genes. It's relatively common. About one in four thousand people will suffer from this disease right at some point in their lives. What happens is you start to get that starts at the periphery of your of your um, retina and slowly gets worse. Yeah. So people get tunnel vision typically with this disease, where you basically start to lose. And the cells around um, the the rods and the cones start to start to die eventually. Yeah. Anyway, what happened with this patient then? Right. So this is so cool. <laughs> it's so cool, right? So this this whole study is a single person. It's a person, a 58 year old male who was diagnosed with this disease. So, you know, this um, uh, uh, retina, retinitis pigmentosa 40 years ago, right? So what they did is they took uh, a very specific kind of this, uh, well, this optogenetic program, it's called Crimson R, right? And they injected into his retina, Nick, right, with a big needle, loads of it for six weeks of this particular, like this, this, this um, vector, the kind of the, the code to create this protein, which your body doesn't normally produce. But, but, but if you think about it, what it does is it's taking light and, and producing electricity. So, so exactly the same way your, your rods and cones do. This one works at a very specific frequency. It's at 590 nanometers, so it's a kind of it's a kind of amber, yellowy, red color, right? So that's all it sees, right? It only sees in one color, right? That, that, that particular yeah. receptor. Anyway, this guy was like basically blind, not completely blind. He could still have some some levels. In fact, it's very uncommon to be completely blind with this disease. You basically, your 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 visual acuity can really degrade. Yeah. Anyway, so they I have all these tests where they get you. So, so the way this works, it's really cool. I had. So they injected this guy, just one of his eyes, just one, so they've got a control. Uh, and then they create this little kind of um, mask that goes on top of his head, right? And what that does is it's got a little camera on the front that looks out, uh, looks right. out into the world. And then what it does is it translates that multicolor image into a single one-color image that's, that's set to the same frequency as this um, uh, channel Rhodopsin, and then proje- which is this kind of amber-red color, and then projects a kind of monochromatic version of the world into that person's eye, right? Which is now right. being treated via this this, this, um, uh, uh, this therapy. And then they got him to do a bunch of tasks, which is essentially just sat on a table with a with like a like a, a white table with a black box, and they said like, "Can you see it?" Right? And they they started off with a big box, and they got to a small box, right? And he could just about see the big box, and couldn't see the small boxes at all. Yeah. And then when he's got his little goggles on, Nick, just just picks it up straight away. Whoa, that's so cool! Just like, just yeah, it's not a problem. Puts it back down again, and like you know, so they get so they score that of being able to see contrast and these different boxes and being able to see a notebook. And before they're all like zero, 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 and then after the treatment with the gut, with the with the with the goggles on, they're all like, you know, four out of five, four five out of five kind of thing. These kind of semi kind of like like quantitative um, methods. But yeah, so so essentially they've done you know they've also done two things where they put. They they um they put two buttons uh, uh either side and one of them turns on and he asks them to touch the one that's turned on right to make sure it's not kind of chance and stuff and there's videos of this you can watch him doing it it's absolutely incredible and so so what we've done is we you know they've they've by this by this little algae this little protein that's expressed by by this algae is they've been able to treat someone they've made someone see again what was the control experiment who was the, con- the what was the control, the control experiment is either um, they did two. So one of them is just obviously using his other eye. So so right. so they've only injected this treatment into one eye. So they just they put a little patch over one. And oh right. So one eye bit. is definitely better than the other one. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's complete. I mean, it's, it's, it's not like a little bit. It's not in the noise. It's like 
binary. It's incredible, oh, really? right? It's, the data is absolutely beautiful and completely convincing. Um, but I mean, I mean, it did require them, you know, injecting um, stuff into your eyeball for six weeks. But you know, I think it's um, it's a small price to pay. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's inc- I mean, you know, and obviously it's the first the first time this has ever been done, right? It's the Nature yeah. Medicine article, and you can, you know, it only gets better. But it's amazing, isn't it? That we basically your your brain doesn't care where the electrical signal comes from. Like it doesn't, yeah. really, like we've just, you know, you've kind of upgraded it with a completely different protein. It's designed to do a completely different thing in a completely different organism. And all it, but the, the, the kind of, the kind of mechanics of that are the same. Light comes in, electric, electricity goes out, right? Just in the same way it happens in your retina. And of course, I'm sure it's not going to be, the, the, the cool thing then is that they attached him up to one of these EEG readings, which is like a kind of, have you seen those like weird little caps you put on your head that measures the electrical? Yeah, yeah. measure his brain yeah. function. So they did that again, and again, massive differences between when they switch the machine, the goggles on, and when they switch them off, right? Like, you know, you genuinely can see things now that you couldn't see before, and they, they, they mapped it, like where in his visual cortex was um, like the signal coming from, uh, you know, exactly where you'd expect it to be, uh, and they can actually map in, in, in actually in the region of his sight, actually, you know, particular angles and things. It doesn't seem to be, although at the moment, they can't really see much difference, i.e. the peripheral versus the, the you know, the fovea. They, they were generally injecting it right by the, the, the fovea. Um, so so it, it's um it's like an incredible thing. You know, it's, it really does feel like science, science fiction here. Um, but what I love about it is it all kind of came from actually things that, you know, that, that no one was ever thinking about this when they were first, you know, they, they were seeing this purely as a tool that might be useful in neuroscience, right? They never expected any kind of, like, actual, you know, therapy of a, of a disease. Um, but it's amazing, isn't it? They must, have, they must have thought about the way the eyes work and things like that when they were doing it. No, so no, it was, the development of optogenetics was, was purely supposed to be a research tool for studying ne- neuroscience, to, to look at neurons. You know, that was the idea of them. Um, you know, it really wasn't expected that they, I mean, I mean, they might have dreamed about it, but you know that really wasn't the idea. Um, oh, okay. So we I guess so. science has cured the blind. Yeah, certain. T- <laughs> and, and isn't this? Isn't this? Um, certain uh, types uh, of blind people. Yeah. Certain types of yeah. blind people a little bit when they're wearing a silly goggle. Oh, there you go. What we uh, Bosh. <laughs> what are you going to do the rest of your day? Um, get in the car and go somewhere. Mm, nice. I'm going to see family. I might. Um, I'm going to. Um, uh, I've got to do. I've got to do my list of things written on my hotel chocolat. Um, oh yeah, what are they? CDT, CDT reports, Barry, Tom, and paper. All right, okay. No rest for the wicked on Good Friday for Stephen. Well, it's quite good. There's no annoying um, uh, meetings to have, so you can get some work done. Um, But um, I am. uh, I I enjoy. I enjoy a little chat in the morning, Nick. I like getting done before I get on with my day. It it gets my 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 blood flowing. flowing. Exactly. Gets your juices flowing. Exactly. Yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it gets you. It gets your verbalization ticking over. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I feel like having to lie down first. <laughs> speaking to you, Steve. <laughs> oh, thanks, Nick. Um, do you know what I'm going to do? So do how... this weekend? I'm quite excited by it. I bought. I'm going to restring my guitar and like oil the fretboard. 
And I find it like incredibly therapeutic doing that, like cleaning, getting oh, all the stuff nice. out, cleaning it, yeah, taking yeah, it. Yeah. I just, I like, and then afterwards I play the guitar for about ten minutes, and then I, just, I leave it again for like a so while. It's just the, it's just the sensation of doing it. I know I did that once with my my rear derailleur on my, my yeah bike. same I idea. Took that apart, it's just like oiled it, greased it, yeah. reassembled it. It was quite therapeutic. It was gummed up before, and then it was it was smooth hey, afterwards. Exactly. Um, anyway, Steve, if people want to get in touch, what do they do? The, the best thing they can do for us is. They like the science shed is to share it on social media and engage with us there so i'm uh steve the chemist i'm the evans lab on twitter or oh, did you see elon offered to buy twitter yesterday i did well it's a hostile take i don't think he offered to buy it he sort of wanted to do a hostile take well he's offering he? them 50 percent above above the market value um i know you like elon but i'm not a fan of elon well, just because he's trying to change the world for the better i think he's well i think you know you take the rough with the smooth but he um he's very you get these people become very strange and also a bit dangerous when they have so much power and they're so convinced that they're right it's it's very problematic in my opinion all right <laughs> and he also called that poor man in thailand pedo guy when he was just trying to help the thai people yeah, the cave. Did, yeah, yeah. i don't i don't i don't um so, so like your your belief in cancel culture so if you make one mistake once then 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 all of your good things you do in society should be redu- be taken away well he's not he's not really apologetic or um he's not, he oh, so that's no why you don't like him because he doesn't because he doesn't he doesn't apologize well then he's you know it's not a mistake to him then is it if he hasn't apologized he thinks it's the right thing to do fair enough <laughs> Um, anyway, um, I think he's. Well, my point is, we might not be on Twitter soon because Elon might might take over and get rid of it. But at the moment, we are. Well, to be honest with you, I, if Twitter went, I think everyone would be a lot happier. If Twitter just was was obliterated, yeah. I think the world would be a what, more harmonious e- place. Elon can do that, you know. So, well, if he did that, then I'll I'll revise my <laughs> opinions of him. But he won't, Steve. <laughs> he'll he'll change it so that you can you can be as abusive as you want to anybody in any context. Well, I'm, I'm an advocate of free speech, Nick. I know you're not. I know you're uh, you're looking forward to your dystopian future you're, you're, full of, full like of totalitarianism. A... Well, you're the totalitarianist. <laughs> if you, you're absolute absolutist about it, you have to have um, you have to have some checks and balances. Mm, yeah. No. <laughs> anyway, it's an interesting philosophical discussion for another one, for another science shed, I reckon. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway, yeah. yeah sorry, we're uh, we're on Twitter um, at the science shed. You're at the Evans uh, at the Evans Lab, and I'm at Steve Chemist. And we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.